and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So um, I want to play a word game with you. And it works like this. I say a word, and you'll see a picture on the screen, and then I want one of you, or any of you, to say the first thing that comes to your head, okay? So if I say this word, and you see the picture, just yell out what's the first thing that comes to your head. See if anyone can do it. Just, just a fun game. Ready? Uh, pigeon. <laughs> Fear. Poo. Annoying. Great. Um, Mustang. Fast. Fun. Lustful? Did you want one? Gee. Uh, potato. Fries. Yum. Chips. Zacchaeus. Short, tree. Interesting, isn't it? That when we hear the word Zacchaeus, the story, our focus turns to exactly, you answered how I hoped you would, by the way, to the tree, to him being short. And I think poor Zacchaeus would be quite upset if all we remembered of him today was that he was a short man who climbed a tree. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because it's such a strange story. I mean, it, it mentions a sycamore fig tree and it mentions he was short. Very interesting details and we'll get to why that is later on, but we remember that. But you see, the story of Zacchaeus is far more than a short man climbing a tree wanting to see Jesus come down the road. It's about seekers, actually. Two seekers, in fact. Not trees, not one short person either. Rather, one seeker who tried to see Jesus, all the while the true seeker was actually trying to find him out, which is why I've called today's talk The True Seeker. This is just beautiful when you see it. The true seeker, Jesus himself, loves us, loves Zacchaeus, just as he is, even up a tree. But get this, Jesus loves Zacchaeus too much to leave him just as he are, just as he is. His love was to seek and save him, to transform him. Which is why the big idea from today is this Jesus transforms lives by seeking and saving lost people. Jesus transforms lives by seeking and saving lost people. Jesus came to find Zacchaeus and those like him to save him, 
to save them by transforming their life. Not into a better version of you, not, but into a new you. New values. New eyes to see the world around you and the people in it. And a new way of looking at Jesus too. And I wonder, do you know that transformational love, that transformational grace that Jesus offers you? The joy of being found. Do you know that? Maybe you're here and you would say, yes, Luke, I know that. Five, ten, twenty-five years ago, I realized that I was like Zacchaeus, stuck in a tree in all my sin, and Jesus found me. Well, do you still marvel at that? Is your life still being transformed by that same grace that called you out of the tree when you realized there was another who went into a tree to rescue you? I'm going to kick around that today and see if that is in fact a big idea here and what that means for us as a community, for you as an individual. And we've got three points to walk through. Firstly, who is lost? Secondly, how Jesus finds them and transforms those lost people. And then what that transformation actually looks like. So who is lost, how Jesus finds them, and what the transformation looks like. Follow along in the outline or at least have your Bible open because we'll walk through these 10 verses of the story of Zacchaeus. So verse 1, we read this. Who is lost? Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Luke gives us a very carefully selected description of Zacchaeus. If you recap Luke's gospel to this point, Luke is big on writing how Jesus is good news for the least, the last, and the lost. And from last week in chapter 18, when we saw the rich young ruler, all the way through to chapter 19, verse 1, we meet three characters who are the description of the least, the last, and the lost. We learn of the, the, the um, t- tax collector sinner who stands at the temple and says, Lord, have mercy on me. And the Pharisee who says, thank you, Jesus, that I'm so amazing and so good and that you can't live without me and that I'm the reason that the world is made because I'm so good. And Jesus says, actually, it's the humble man that was justified. Then we see the children are brought to Jesus, aren't they? And then Jesus' disciples, the very followers of Jesus, say, oh, let's not bring them any closer. Don't bother him. Because after all, children can't bring anything of value to Jesus and they're short and they're insignificant in the society of of the day. So don't bring them to bother him. And Jesus says, "Mm, you should bring them. And then finally, at the end of Luke 18, we meet a blind man begging by the side of the road. Here's what's going on and says, what's happening? Jesus is coming. Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, what should I do for you? I want to see and he can see. And then in Luke 19, we meet Zacchaeus. And he's the culmination of all of these stories to show that by every social and cultural expectation, he is the biggest sinner of them all. He's a chief tax collector, which means he worked for Rome. He's a Jew, because we learn later he is a son of Abraham, which means... He was working for the guys that had taken over their country, robbing his own people to make his life more wealthy for the enemy. He was extorting them. 
He was wealthy through extortion. Not like last week, the nice rich man who'd, who'd done so, so many nice things and he was well off. This man was an extortionist. Think of the Banking Royal Commission that we've recently had and how they took advantage of people and sold them things that they didn't need so they could line their pockets. This is Zacchaeus every single day of his life. And he's short. Like the children, held back by the disciples, Zacchaeus hindered by the crowd. But the point is that this man has nothing of value to bring to Jesus. He can't give anything to Jesus. His age, his physical state, his wealth. Jesus actually looks past all that. More so, the description of the crowds in verse 7, as we'll see, is he's the biggest sinner, is true. Zacchaeus is a big, fat, dirty, rotten, short sinner. But he's got something going for him. He wanted to see Jesus. And Luke is the only one that notices him at this point in the story, right? The narrator Luke says, I see you, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a seeker. He couldn't see, so he kept exploring, kept pushing, kept searching. Maybe like some of you have done before. Who is this Jesus? You can't get it out of your head. Years ago, someone at uni mentioned something to you, your parents did something, and you could not shake it, and for years you lived like however you wanted to, but then suddenly something happened, and you thought, I need to figure this Jesus person out. And you kept going. And for Zacchaeus, he runs ahead to a sycamore fig tree, climbs it, because he realizes he's a clever man. He realizes Jesus is coming that way. A sycamore fig tree is a low, flat tree with lots of figs. It's easy to climb, especially if you're short. And the point is this. This sets up exactly where Jesus will find him. And it is absurd A short man in a tree trying to find Jesus, couldn't see over the crowds, he's wealthy, he's hated by everyone. It is so very odd. This is not what you would expect. This is a fish out of water if there ever was one. Zacchaeus in a tree, but it's at that moment that Jesus works, right? Can you relate? Absurd moments in your life. You find yourself in ridiculous places and Jesus is at work in those moments just like he was for Zacchaeus showing up on his upper tree and it all happens like this in verse 5 it says when Jesus reached the spot the spot the impression is it was a he knew the spot right it wasn't just oh I'm here and looked up it was he reached the spot he already knew about and he looked up and he said to him Zacchaeus Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And all the while, we thought Zacchaeus was just trying to find Jesus. But it turns out, Jesus was really after him. The seeker has now become the sort. Moreover, in verse 1, we learn a really important fact. That Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. He entered Jericho and he was passing through. Jesus is now on the way to Jerusalem, 18 kilometers away from Jericho. But he passed through Jericho for the purpose of stopping and looking up at the tree to find Zacchaeus. Jesus knows who's up that tree. That is the reason he went to Jericho. 
And there's urgency in his words as well. Immediately, must, today. Did you pick that up? Jesus is accepting him right there and then as one of his followers up the tree in all his sin, in all his curiosity, in all his bad choices. I'm coming to see you right now. Not come down once you've got your life together. Do you promise to be nice, Zacchaeus, and then I'll come to your home? Have you made restitution for all the wrongs you've done? Because then I'd love to come to your home for tea. No. Right now, up a tree at the end of yourself, Jesus found him. And that's the way Jesus finds us. His mission is to reclaim lost people. Little does Zacchaeus know that in a matter of months, Jesus will climb another tree The reason he's going to Jerusalem, in fact, is to be up this tree, and that is how he will reclaim the lost people. And then Zacchaeus, it says, so he he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. It's an unusual invitation, and there was no judgment. It was simply Jesus being kind and saying, let's have dinner. I mean, think of, of Father Bob at King's Cross, you know, the minister who had tea with all the misfits of society back in the 80s and 90s. This is, what, this is that moment happening back in, with Zacchaeus. Jesus welcomed him. It filled him with joy, with gladness. And Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus because being found is a great thing. You see it on news reports all the time, don't you? When someone gets lost in the bush and then they get found, the joy of the family of that lost person coming home. It happens spiritually too. Or it's the moment when as a parent your child misplaces something and they're upset and they're sad and they say, I can't find it, but you know where it is because you're the grown-up and you saw them put it there five minutes ago and you say, I know where it is. Really, where? It's over here and you show them and the joy, oh, you found my thing. You know, they forget about it in ten minutes anyway. But the point is that this happens on a much bigger level spiritually. Being found is a great thing, but... Not everyone was joyful. One commentator put it so well, the mood on the street does not match the festivity in the house. In verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. What did they see in this moment? A little big sinner. It's derogatory, They don't even call him by his name. They just say, a man. He, this thing, has gone to be a a guest. Sorry, he is the guest, and Jesus has gone to be guesting him. He's outside of God's program of salvation, is what they think. But it's telling, because what does the crowd think of Jesus at this moment, too? They've turned on him. Showing Zacchaeus kindness and mercy, Jesus now bears the brunt and the brute of their shame and scorn on himself. He identifies with Zacchaeus and in doing so takes on the shame and the guilt that Zacchaeus got. To go to the tree means he had to take on the shame of those around him. And that is the mission of God. To change people by guesting them. So the question is who, is, who is lost in this story? Well, it's Zacchaeus. Luke's saying he's the biggest sinner of them all. He's the lost one. Which means, how does Jesus find him and transform him? What happens when he's found? So verses 8 to 10, Zacchaeus stood up 
said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possession to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Look, Lord, is not just a change of behavior, but direction. It's as if he's saying, Jesus, you can see the difference you've made. Look, 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 look. I'll show you. Let me show you what your kindness has just done. You can see it, you can taste it, it's palpable. And that's what salvation is. It's filled with the wonder of Jesus giving us the courage to go back and make, wrong, make right the wrongs in a humble way. And for Zacchaeus, it looked like this. But for you and me, it will look a little bit different. Okay, for Zacchaeus, the, the, the guesting of Jesus meant he was now generous. He gave half to the poor to show how valuable Jesus is to bless others. And he made restitution. He paid back those he cheated because Jesus has accepted him. Depending on how well you know the passage, you may be thinking, does the Old Testament give any stipulation for this sort of behavior? And a lot of commentators will mention Exodus 22.1 of the four sheep principle to pay back. And say so that's what Zacchaeus is doing, he's taking this principle and now applying it to everything else. But I don't think that's really important because Zacchaeus doesn't appeal to any law or command to show his behavior change. Because after all, laws can be obeyed with no change of heart. I said this morning to the band um, how frustrating it is when you see the 40-kilometer speed sign for the roadworks and you don't want to go 40, just around the corner. No one's doing roadworks today. Maybe you saw it this morning coming to church. No one's out there. You're smiling because you went faster, I'm sure. But there's no roadworks. It's safe. I have to go 40. Your heart is not joyfully doing 40 kilometers. If you're honest, you can probably hear a grumbling under your breath too that you have to go 40. Why did I leave the sign out? You see, laws can be obeyed with no heart change. But, but, but what's happening here is a change of heart, right? He's learned about God's grace and kindness. There is enough for him and an abundance for others. Because the point is the generosity, the gospel transformation brought because he was found. The point is the gospel generosity that happened when he was found. Because Luke's showing us over and over again in his gospel how wide salvation goes for the entire person. Every time Jesus meets someone and, and, and brings them into his family, you think, see things like a moral transformation, a mental transformation, an emotional transformation, a spiritual, sometimes even a physical transformation that Jesus affects on that particular person. For Zacchaeus, it has a social dimension to it. Salvation has a social dimension to it. And what did Jesus do to make all this happen? He was gracious to this man. I want to stay with you, Zacchaeus. He didn't heal him. He didn't get rid of demons. There's no prayer of salvation. There's no huge cosmic sign or emotional church service at this particular moment. It was the joy of having Jesus say, I know you, I see you, I want to stay with you. Will you come on down? And that was it. Because that's what it looks like to be found. The things of this life lose their grip because Jesus has his grip on you. And then Jesus explains to Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, you've done this, I get it. But if, just in case you don't know what's happened, and if you're listening 
crowds, and you, you don't get what Zacchaeus has done. Let me explain it to you in verse 9. Because he says, today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. Poor little lost Zacchaeus is no less the son of Abraham. Because as Abraham taught us, as Paul reminds us in Galatians, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteous. Galatians 3, 6 and 7 says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteous. Understand then, Paul says, it is those who have faith that are children of Abraham. Back in Luke 13, verse 16, I read it this week. I never saw this before. Jesus heals a woman on the Sabbath and they get, the Pharisees get upset as they do. And Jesus says, should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, be healed? Jesus is creating a family of lost people whose society is written off, showing them that they too are part of God's family. They are, they are part of the people of Abraham by faith in him. And to call Zacchaeus that, the son of Abraham, it points to the generosity of God, not the good Zacchaeus can offer, because in verse 10, Jesus says, the son of man, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Implication, Zacchaeus is hopelessly lost, couldn't find himself, so he got found. And that's where the story ends. Not Zacchaeus, a model of generosity, not left up a tree still seeking because Jesus walked past him, but with him becoming something his wealth could never buy, a child of Abraham, someone who got himself found, someone who is now saved. Interesting, Scripture's silent on Zacchaeus. We don't know what happened to him after this story, but church history's not. And the Bishop of Alexandria named Clement, who we have writings today, you can Google it if you're interested, he wrote about Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus continued faithfully, to the end of his life following Jesus as the bishop of Caesarea. Poor little lost Zacchaeus gave up his riches, gave up the banking lifestyle and became a minister of the gospel for the rest of his days showing people how valuable Jesus is. Can you see that big idea coming out? Jesus transforms lives by seeking and saving lost people. And so, brothers and sisters, I wonder, what does being transformed look like? What does being found by Jesus look like today for us? And there are two things I see in this story. First, there is a new value system in the here, in here, in here, in me. And then secondly, new eyes as I look around the people around me. A new value system and new eyes. picture Luke's painting for us is the man who was once an, extortion, once an extortionist is generous. The man who stole gives to the poor. The man who used his hands for dishonest work uses them for honest work to bless. And moreover, did you notice that Jesus doesn't have any issue with what he says? He says, I'll give half my wealth to the poor. He kept the other half for himself. He paid back four times. Jesus didn't comment on that. You see that once he was sought and changed, he would now use whatever means he could to show the difference the gospel made in his life. And that's the power that God has to change us and how he's always worked. God has always worked with that way to change us and he'll always work that way. Can you see the value system Jesus has just suddenly created in this man? From sin to generosity, from selfishness to wanting to bless. And verse 8 here, I think, is the heartbeat of the gospel response. 
Look, Lord, see what your grace has done, how you've changed me, how glad it is, how joyful it is to be generous and gracious to others because you have been that to me. There's no law, there's no rule. You can't legislate generosity and grace. I'm not going to tell you you should give four times back to those you've stolen from when you're in high school or work or uni. That's not the point. I think, think of our culture in Golden Grove here. Middle class Adelaide are very good at saying, if I've earned it, it's mine. If I've earned it, you deserve it. And what Jesus does is to come into that and say, hmm, let me save you and find you and give you a new value system that says, how could I earn to bless, to show my already value in the kingdom of God? How could I use my time and talents and my treasure for the kingdom of God, not just for myself, not to say I've earned it, therefore I deserve it, but I've earned that. Wow. How can I use that for the glory of God? It's not the call to do hard, do better and try harder. Whenever the New Testament wants to motivate us to a new value system, the lifestyle of following Jesus, Paul and the New Testament writers have an uncanny way of thumping us around the head by pointing us back to Jesus. Listen to Philippians 2. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That's what Zacchaeus is doing. Don't look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's what Zacchaeus is doing. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus. What does that look like? What mindset did Jesus have? How does that motivate? What's the good news here? Well, he was in the very nature of God and he did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, and then God raised him above and put him the name above all names so that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you can be one of those people. And how you live can also bring someone else to that kingdom too. Brothers and sisters, our value system comes from the cross and the character of God. Have you forgotten that? In a year of of economic uncertainty, we're in a recession. I read somewhere this week, Adelaide seems to have gone against that at the moment, but we're in a recession apparently. And how are you thinking about finances, generosity, giving, wealth? COVID has made us rethink money and the value of things. Some things have gone up, some things have gone down. Have, Have we thought about the value system that Jesus gives us at this time? What it means to be generous with our time, talents, treasures? But you see, that's only part of the equation because you see, when Zacchaeus was found, he saw the people around him with new eyes. It's not just wealth that was different, but it was the people around him too. What the gospel does isn't just make us see the lost. We notice people who we didn't think were even there. Too often, my back is like the crowd. Too often, my heart's like Zacchaeus, using people for gain. But here's how the gospel changes us. Here's a story. Nicholas Berry this week said we can go to parties now and dance. So imagine all of us get invited to a party and there's a big dance floor maybe here and you go and you look around and there's groups of people, friends and people you don't know and you think, oh, there's someone there and oh, Jim's over there, I'll go say hello and, and you go to the party and you notice 40 people. 
because there's 50, you want to keep the limit. And then, what if I come along and, and I give you a pair of glasses, you put them on, and suddenly you notice 50 people, because it's a group of they never saw before. Oh, no one's noticing them. So you start to go over to them. As you start walking, you trip. And you look down and there's a few people on the floor. You didn't see them before, but you didn't even notice them. And suddenly the room full of 40 people, you realize there's 140 people in there. We've broken the COVID rules. They're not dancing, so it's okay. But do you see what the gospel does? I don't just see people that society says, oh yes, that's that person. I notice people that are not even there before. I have a friend called Andrew, and Andrew calls me Thumper, and I call him Sunshine, because Andrew was, until last year, a homeless man who I met at a church many years ago, and he came in, and he's this big, gruff fella, and he looked like the epitome of someone you never want to see, or smell, or be with, or anything. And he came into church and I gave him a cup of coffee and we sat down and we started talking and he never left. Literally, he didn't actually leave. He ended up sleeping under the stairs and in the back shed and on the roof and wherever he could find a spot that was safe, he'd sleep there and he'd stay there for months and months and months. And eventually I got to know Andrew quite well and, and we had two stories and as I'd come up the stairs in the morning, he's often there and he'd hear this boom, boom, boom and he'd go, oh, Thumper's here! in this big gruff voice, and I'd say, oh, our sunshine's here today. And we'd laugh at each other because he was always gruff, but he was very lovely, and I'd call him sunshine because he was a ray of sunlight, and he'd call me Thumper because I walked around so heavily. And over time, I got to know him more and more, and, and over time, we had conversations about Jesus and his father and his life in England before he came over here and his brain injury, and how you talk about all these things, and we drink coffee, and and probably once a month, he'd come in upset and he'd say, Luke, pray for me. Let me pray. And at the end of this time, just after I left that church, he got baptized as someone who loves Jesus. And you think, he was someone who was written off in every possible way, yet he was seeking Jesus and he got found. You know, Andrew can't read, he can't write very well, he struggles to do most things, just the life he's lived, but he can tell you he loves Jesus. He can tell you what Jesus has done for him by dying and rising again. So, pigeon, mustang, potato, Zacchaeus. Jesus transformed lives by seeking and saving lost people. That's Andrew's story. I know that's many of your stories. It can be your story. But don't forget Jesus is into transforming you too. What does it look like to follow Jesus today? Maybe you have a coffee. You'd like to encourage one another. As we saw with Jeff, share how the receiving the love of Jesus has transformed you. Have a coffee. How's it changed me? Who have you noticed in the room like never before? How's Jesus at work in your life? Let me share that story of this is what Jesus has done. And think, what does it look like to follow him this week with my time, talents, treasure, and wealth? Let's pray.
Our great God, we thank you that you see us in our sin, up a tree, in our mess, at the end of ourselves. And for many of us at that point, we seek you, we question you, we have things in our heart and mind that we think Jesus might have an answer to. And for all of the mess Zacchaeus was in, as the biggest sinner, as Luke shows us, Jesus just said, come down, I want to stay with you. And the invitation of grace changed him. And Jesus, I thank you that for many of us in this room, that invitation of grace changed us too many years ago. And we can say, I was lost, but now I'm found. And Father God, while life doesn't always go well and easy, we do know that we're found and that makes all the difference. And so strengthen our hearts and resolve to continue to follow you in all the ups and downs. More than that, Father, help us to be transformed inwardly, to be generous in ways we could never imagine to show our true value is in the kingdom of God. But help us to do that by seeing people that we never even noticed, that were never ever there before, that you've awoken us to. So, Father God, may that same grace that sent you to the tree to rescue us in your death and resurrection be our driving force for the change in our life that you're working and that we too can say, look, Lord, look at what your grace has done, not to show off to you or others, but simply humbled by your grace in finding us. In your name we pray these things. Amen.